And g'day and welcome to the Duck and Rico's Red Dirt Podcast with Rico's dog in the background there barking away. He's got his own security there at his place because we are not together this week uh, on the podcast because of obviously we're all self-isolating. So I'm in the studio here. <laughs> I'm in the studio here out of Blue Collarville and Rico is at home. And uh, what, what about this? He's at home homeschooling the dog by the sound of it. Rico, g'day. <laughs> Principal Rico to you, mate. Yeah, mate. Principal Rico. Yeah, no, fair enough, mate. That's, uh, all right, so this is a bit different. Normally we're sitting here together doing the podcast, but we thought we'd do that. Your dog needed to be babysat, so you're staying at home, plus we're self-isolating at the same time. And uh, usually it's Bluey, the HR yeah, manager here. We've got builders across the road, and every time they make a noise, the dog goes off like a mongrel, and then next door's dog starts. And, yeah, it's just a, a never-ending cacophony of dogs. Oh, listen to him now. It's like a choir. <laughs> anyway, oh, unbelievable! Anyway, our podcast is pretty real. We do the, we don't hide any of our mistakes and all the stuff that goes on no. in the background, and that is very very funny with the dog. Mate, you might have to grab him though. I mean, what sort of dog is it? Well, next door, that's that's the one you can hear. That's uh, that's another bluey, but a red cattle dog. Yep. And uh, and I've got a pug downstairs. A what? A pug. <laughs> okay, your wife's dog, is it? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, no, fair enough. Anyway, so you've been at home homeschooling. How's that going? Oh, mate, I don't know who came up with this form of torture, but this is cruel and unusual punishment. I tell you what, the old saying, you must have killed a Chinaman or something, I must have run over a bloody dozen of them because this has just been torture. Yeah, it doesn't sound. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm lucky my kids have grown up, and at the end of the day, they were smarter than me anyway, so I couldn't have taught them too much. <laughs> so uh, lucky for them. Uh, lucky for them, they didn't have to have the homeschooling with me as the teacher because it just would have been you know, outdoor activities all the time. Let's just go and do another lesson on camping and how we light a fire. <laughs> That's what it yeah, so, um, but anyway, it's certainly um, different times we are in, mate, and uh, hence the fact our Red Dirt podcast this week, we are in separate locations because we are all at home. Mate, um, apart from the homeschooling, how are you going with the cabin fever? Mate, it's absolutely killing me. I've, I'm trying to use the time wisely. I've, I've put a bit, a bit of time into my guitar playing. Um, I'm failing to see much progress at this stage, but I'm not going to let that slow me down. I'll, I'll keep banging away at it. But, yeah, other than that, mate, there's not a whole lot to do, really. Yeah, no, tell me about it, mate, except jobs around the place. And uh, and I can tell you now, my missus has got them lined up for me on a big list, and I've just, I'll be back in a second. <laughs> it's taken me a week to clean yeah. out the It's taken... <laughs> She said that shed must be must be messy. You've been down there tidying up for a week and a half. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but at the end of the day, it is what it is. And if we all if we all do the right thing now, um, basically, the sooner we can get back out. Because if we stop people moving, that'll stop the virus moving. And um, it's pretty, that's it's, it's basically quite it's that simple, really. We stop oh, the virus. The, 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 the virus only only travels via people. So if we all stop. The, the sooner we stop, the sooner we contain it, and then the sooner we can get back to our way of life, and and that's what we're waiting for. And I can just see it's funny, you know, Rico. Have you seen on social media? It's amazing how many people are on social media at the moment. I'm one of them because you tend to pick up the phone to see what's going on. Not so much, not so much get my you know updates on the situation via social media, right? but but in regards to some of the funny stuff and the sense of humour that's still alive and well. Um, have you seen some of the stuff on, on, on social media? People setting up swags in the backyard, lighting oh, campfires, yeah. you know, pulling the awning out of the van, out of the four-wheel drive out in the in the, you know, in the backyard, things like that. So people are, 
are doing the best they can. Yeah, well, look, I'm pulling the Raider barbecue out tonight to set up in the backyard and have a bit of a fire out the back and uh, mm. sit around here with a guitar and a couple of cans and annoy the neighbours. Yeah. Some of me ain't back on the dogs. Yeah, why not, mate? Well, at the end of the day, you've been here and I've got fire pits. I've got a fire pit outside, then I've got a drum and then I have a, the, the Oz pig and then a, and an old potbelly in the shed, so... But we did. We lit yeah, up last Sunday. Last Sunday, we did. We did a camp oven last Sunday on the fire at the back, and and um, which we'll do. We'll do that anyway, occasionally. You know, but that's yeah. why the fire pits there. But uh, I'm tipping that um, you know, this weekend again, and you know, depending on how cold it is, obviously we'll light the fire up and sit around it and and do a few things. It's just the way it is, mate. We just and we're lucky because you think. Imagine if you were living in a home unit now. <laughs> oh, mate, no. Yeah, How could you do it? Oh, well, we've got some space here so we can move around a little bit and, and, and tinker thing with things. And it's a good time to um, to tinker with your four-wheel drives and your gear and do, your, you know, your bearings on your camper trailer and restack and repack all your, you know, reorganise all of your camping gear and get ready. Yeah, for, that's right. Get that's ready perfect for, opportunity. Yeah, for that, you know. The, the one thing I feel for is the people that have, you know, those lines of lines of people that, you know, lining up at Centrelink who would never have been to send a link in their lives. I certainly feel for those yeah, people, mate. Mate, I'm one of them, unfortunately. You know, um, all, all of my income comes through four-wheel driving. And uh, obviously, that's something that we're not able to do at the moment. And um, and as you know, you know, sort of, you don't get into this sort of gig to retire early. You know, there's not a great deal of coin in it. Um, so, you know, I haven't been working really with an income for about 18 months. So mm. I've had to bite the bullet for the first time in my life and, and jump onto Centrelink and see what that's all about. And I'll tell you what, the people out there that, that don't have a job and, and the ones that don't want a job and rely on Centrelink, well, they must have nothing better to do with their life because it's torturous. It's worse than homeschooling. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's certainly, um, certainly a struggle. I mean, and, and it's, it's affected everyone in different ways. I mean, we were... I mean, look, I, you know, I'm fortunate enough to have the radio program and, and that that and that will continue. Uh, but apart from that, I mean, we were booked in to do all those four-wheel drive shows, as you know. Um, we, yeah. we had just about signed off on taking the radio program to the Northern Territory for six weeks. Uh, yeah. And obviously, um, I mean, and that, and we were just about to get that, finalised that when they closed the borders. Well, there goes that. So, you know, there's, yeah. you know, but, yeah, it was terrible. Yeah, well, today we would have been heading to James Blundell's place. Mm. Yeah, so he's, he's dodged a bullet. And... Sorry? He's dodged a bullet then, hasn't he? <laughs> I don't think so, mate. Yeah, no, mate. All right, so what are we talking about this on the uh, podcast this week, mate? You'll want to talk about uh, Charles Sturt, is that right? Yeah, well, as you know, the, the early uh, history of Australian exploration is one of my passions, so I thought today we'd, we'd do the the condensed history of Charles Sturt, which is still quite a long story, so hopefully people will stick around for that. Um, yeah, it's amazing what he accomplished in his lifetime, considering that he wasn't a uh, a traditional type of explorer per se, like your, um, you know, your Gregory's and Ayers and Sir Thomas Mitchell and those sort of guys. So, yeah, he, he accomplished a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, uh, yeah, he, he certainly did accomplish a lot, so we'll talk about him. And we'll also talk about, you know, getting yourself ready for... Uh, for when we're allowed back out, and um, we'll talk a bit about that as well, and some of the places we can get to, it's uh, it's a bit, it's uh, unprecedented what's going on. I mean, we're almost you know living in a police state at the moment, and uh, and for good reason. I mean, and, and a lot of people have been critical of, of of the decisions made, and 
and all our leaders. But at the end of the day, I mean, they're, they're confronting something they've never thought that would ever happen. Oh, for sure. Uh, and look, I've been very, one of them. Oh, mate, I did see that. I mean, yeah, mate, I'll give yeah. you a little tip, Rick. Huh? Never get political. Yeah, mate. I, I, I agree. Look, it's got a lot of people talking, and at the end of the day, I think whatever you think of Scott Morrison, I think he's handled this superbly. Um, I don't agree with some of the decisions, and that's okay, but you, you've got to think about the hours the bloke's putting in, how mm. calm he's remained under what is unbelievable pressure. Oh, uh, nice. I think he's doing an absolute sterling job. I mean, um, I mean, I to him and his team. Yeah, you take you take the politics out of it, mate. He, at the end of the day, he's a bloke. He's you know, he's a husband. He's a father. And, mate, yep. what goes through his head when it hits the pillow at night, if it does hit the pillow at night, yeah, uh, it's just un- unbelievable because basically he's got the weight of the whole country on his shoulders and it doesn't matter what he does. It's, not everyone will agree with it. Uh, it is unprecedented and it's not as if there was a practice run or there's a book that you can go to or a manual to see how you no, deal with right. this. And um, there are two crises on here. We've got the health part of it and we've got the economic part of it. The economy is just going to come an absolute hammering. Uh, well, out of this. Third, it's going to be very, no very difficult for a while, eh? The third crisis that no one's talking about is uh, how do you keep coming up with a different tie for every press conference? Yeah, I know. He does well. That, that blows my mind. Anyway, so um, anyways, at the end of the day, if anyone can do it better, put your hand up at the next election. Yeah, yeah that's a, dem- right. a democratic society here. Anyone can have a crack at it. So if you think you can do better... Rather than sing out from the sidelines, put your hand up. But I don't. I don't get political, mate. I mean, we'll call out common sense every now and again and bag them. But you know, but um, guys, I don't. We try to. That's what we're about here. People listen to us, mate, because and and watch our programs and listen to us because they want an escape from all that bullshit and uh, and it's somebody else's job to to. um, And when I say bullshit, I'm not talking about the virus. I'm talking about politics in general. Um, Because as you know, I mean, have you ever seen Question Time? Yeah, I, have. I mean they're just trading insults and blows across the what is it the chamber? I mean, yeah, you know, I, you're running the country. I think I'd be good at that. Oh, mate, you know, so we stay out of all of that. But um, yeah. but all what? what Sorry, mate. It's what conspiracy theorists down, hasn't it? What was conspiracy theories going around on social media about? The new world order, and it's going to bring around a cashless society. And uh, anyway, don't take I don't take any notes of that. Oh, mate, People they're out there. I tell you what. Yeah, well, I don't even read it, so I don't even know they're out there. So I don't take any. I don't pay any attention to that nonsense. So, but at the end of the day, mate, we're here to try to give people an escape from all that, and that's what we do. And and uh, we'll just adhere to the rules. And if we can't go anywhere at the moment, well, it's probably for our own benefit. They certainly wouldn't close half of the country down. For no reason, so nah, uh, so let's uh, let's just go along with it. The sooner we get through this, the sooner we can get back out there and uh, and and get amongst it, mate. So that's what we want. So yeah, that's it. All right. all right, mate. Well, let's get on to uh, let's get on to Charles Sturt. Tell us all about him. What did he do? So my old mate Charlie Sturt. So he was born in 1795. He was an explorer. He was a soldier, public servant. Um, he was born in India. And he was the eldest of eight sons, and he was one of 13 children. I'll tell you what, they had big families back then, didn't they? Mm. 13 children. You don't hear about those sort of things anymore. No lights and no now, telly. Yeah, <laughs> mate. Uh, so at the age of five, he was sent back to live with relations in England. At the age of 15, he entered Harrow, which is a university there. His father's economic difficulties prevented his entrance into Cambridge, which is where they wanted him to go. Uh, in 1813, he procured through his auntie a commission as an ensign to the 39th Regiment. He served in the Pyrenees late in the Peninsula War. He fought against the Americans in Canada. And he returned to Europe a few days after Waterloo. 
Battle of Waterloo. I'll tell you what, he saw some stuff, didn't he? Mm, absolutely. In December 1826. Sorry? Yeah, the line's a bit dodgy, but keep going. Yeah, yeah. In December 1826, uh, he hung around England for a bit, and then he embarked on a detachment with his regiment in the Mariner in charge of convicts for New South Wales, and he arrived in Sydney in May in 1827. In Sydney, the two main subjects of discussion among the intelligent people there were politics and the mysteries of the Australian geography. Now, politics didn't attract Sturt. He, he wasn't too keen on that. But the, uh, the lure of the great unknown certainly did, and I can understand why. Um, other explorers, John Oxley and Alan Cunningham, had recently charted a series of rivers out west, and their course was directed towards the centre of the continent. And the inference was that there was an inland sea that lay beyond the horizon. Now, Sturt wasn't alone in wanting to get the honour of being the bloke to discover it. You know, there were plenty of other blokes around who were keen to go and do this sort of thing and find out what lay in the middle of Australia because it was, you know, in 1820s and 30s, it was still unknown. Uh, in November 1827, the governor, Sir Ralph Darling, had agreed to um, Sturt leading an expedition into the interior. You know, because Darling had very few officers on whom he felt that he could rely, he didn't formally authorise the expedition for nearly 12 months. So in that time, while Sturt was waiting for the, the appropriate permission, he perhaps naively, naively discovered, uh, discussed the proposal with the newly appointed Surveyor General, Sir Thomas Mitchell. So there's another explorer that, uh, that did great things. Um, and Sir Thomas Mitchell felt that he'd been slighted and argued that Sturt, who had no proper qualifications, had been pushed by influence into a task which offered the prospect of honour and reward. Sir Ralph Darling rejected this completely and Sturt acquired a lifelong enemy in Mitchell. Uh, Mitchell was uh, was one of those blokes who didn't like too many people anyway. In uh, in November 1828, Sturt received the approval to go ahead with his proposal and trace the course of the Macquarie River. He cleverly selected his assistant, the native-born Hamilton Hume. Uh, Hume Highway is named after Hamilton Hume. Mm who already shared leadership of a major expedition to the South Coast. They had a bit of experience under his belt. With three soldiers and eight convicts, Sturt left Sydney in November. Hume joined them at Bathurst, and after collecting equipment, they moved from December into what was virtually a base camp at a place called Mount Harris. Pardon me. In December, the expedition continued down the Macquarie and through some pretty tough country. Now, having unsuccessfully tried trying to use a light boat, uh, later in December, on the 31st, Sturt and Hume began independent reconnaissances. So uh, Hume went down the Macquarie and Sturt went and examined the country a little bit further north across to the Bogan River, which is out near Ningen. Mm. That's where the Bogan but statue then, is as well. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, we spoke about that the other week. Anyway, go on. Uh, they proceeded north along the Bogan and the 2nd of February they came across what they described as a noble river flowing to the west and Sturt named it the Darling. So the Darling River was discovered. They headed home after finding what they decided was no really good arable country. I think that would be argued now. Uh, the Darling River offered a new challenge and, and Sturt basically sought permission to lead another expedition to trace it to what he assumed was the outlet of the inland sea. However, it was decided instead that he should investigate the Lachlan and Murrumbidgee River systems that had been discovered by Oxley and proceeded to the Darling only if the Murrumbidgee proved impassable. So in November in 1829, remember 1829, that's a long time before Bergen Wheels made their way across the country. Mm. Their second expedition left Sydney. After many crossings of the Murrumbidgee to find suitable tracks for the trade, 
they moved down the north bank of the river and on Christmas Day, they arrived at its junction with the Lachlan River. The difficult marshes raised the question, should they follow the governor's instructions or should they go to the Darling? Since the Murrumbidgee was still pretty clear, Sturt decided to use the whaleboat that he brought with him and built a small skiff from local timber. In 1830, in January, he set out with seven men and two boats on the Murrumbidgee. Apart from the complete loss of the skiff soon after they started, it was a fairly uneventful uh, journey. And when the rapid currents of the Murrumbidgee carried them to what they described as a broad and noble river, there's a lot of noble rivers out there, um, Sturt later named this river in honour of Sir George Murray, who was the Secretary of State for the colony. So the Murray River had now been discovered as well. After returning to Sydney, Sturt put forward a plan for a new expedition to explore the lower end of the Murray. In May 1844, the Secretary of State rejected Sturt's original plan, but he approved a more limited proposal to penetrate the centre of the continent, which uh, was becoming quite a, a theme throughout Australia at the time. Everyone was starting to really wonder what was out there. Um, and they wanted to particularly establish the existence of a mountain range near latitude 28 degrees south. Um, which we'll later find is around the Broken Hill region. On the 10th of August, 1844, Sturt left Adelaide with 15 men, including the not yet famous John McDoor Stewart. Uh, Stewart ended up doing a lot of stuff as well. He was uh, probably one of the most successful explorers. Uh, six drays, a boat and 200 sheep. In eight days, the party reached Burundi and followed the Murray River to its junction with the Darling and up the Darling to the vicinity of Lake Kondila, where they camped for a couple of months making several scouting expeditions into and beyond the barrier range. In December, you imagine how hot it would be out there in December. Ooh, yeah. Imagine what it was like. We love going out there now and, and, and travelling out like you do that Darling River Run and all those things, but imagine what it was like. Yep. They would be the only people there. That's right. And there's no stations along the way. It's... Um, They'd literally break a new ground. Uh, they would have seen, yeah. I'm, I'm telling you, they would have seen some Indigenous um, locals and, and things like that along the way, but, geez, it would have been completely different back then. It was the complete unknown. Yeah, that's right. And, and they're probably not quite aware of, um, you know, the wet and the dry seasons, although in, in New South Wales it doesn't make too much of a difference, but uh, these still would have been stinking hot out there. Mm, exactly. uh, so they moved further north into the Grey Range and they made a camp on permanent water which they found at Depot Glen on Preservation Creek. So this is getting up towards Burke now. Uh, by this time, the summer heat had dried up all the other water within reach, and they ended up being stuck there from January until July. So they were stuck there for six months in this inhospitable country, um, poorly equipped, the blokes suffered terribly, and Sturt's second-in-command, James Cool, actually died of scurvy, which is a horrible, horrible way to die. In July, they were released by heavy rain. So the rains finally came in the middle of uh, in the middle of July there. So Sturt moved his party in a northwesterly direction and they ended up at Fort Grey. So if you head up towards Quanah Country, you run into Fort Grey. Um, and they sort of made a base camp there and they made a series of pushes north, culminating in a 720-kilometre journey towards the centre of the continent. continent sorry. Um, he ended up being knocked back by the sand dunes of the Simpson Desert and at last he reluctantly abandoned the idea of an inland sea and elected to head for home. And if you go to Tibberborough today, you'll find um, a replica of the whaling boat they dragged all the way out there, which is just unbelievable. Mm. And it's, a, it's not a small boat. <laughs> it's huge. Mm. No, exactly. Uh, so they headed for home. He arrived back in Adelaide on the 19th of January in 1846, ahead of his party, which followed a few days later. That journey alone had taken five months. 
He left for England on the 8th of May and arrived in London just a little bit late to personally receive a gold medal from the Royal Geographical Society. But he was able to complete a published account of the expedition. Now, that's amazing, the fact that he received a gold medal from the Royal Geographical Society, considering that he wasn't a trained explorer. Um, you know, he, he had no background in that sort of stuff whatsoever. So that, that's a, a huge, huge deal. On his return to Adelaide in 1849, he was appointed colonial secretary, but unfortunately his sight began to fail. And this is a common thing with explorers. Um, when they're out exploring, they need to take readings of the sun during the day. Um, and Stuart also suffered this as well, and, and wills to a certain degree. It means looking into a mirror, which is obviously magnifying the sun. Uh, and you've got to do this several times a day in order to be able to chart your course. So yeah, he's, um, his sight began to fail. At the end of 1851, he retired on a pension of 600 pounds a year, which was pretty good back then. Yeah, uh, third good, off, money. good money. Yeah, good money. Good money back then. Yeah, go on. Sturdard often expressed his love for Australia and his determination never to return to England, but the need to secure the future of his children forced him to change his mind, and he left Australia in March 1853. He spent his last years peacefully at Cheltenham, being widely respected and continually consulted about Australian affairs. He'd applied unsuccessfully for the governorship of Victoria and also Queensland. And in 1869, at the instigation of his mates, he sought a knighthood, but he died on the 16th of June before the formalities were completed. Later on, the Queen would allow his wife to use the title Lady Sturt. Well, there you go. So Alaya Sturt probably entered his career as an explorer through influence. His selection was justified by the results in the end. He'll always be remembered for having discovered the Darling River and the Murray River, Australia's two great rivers. Near Victoria Square in central Adelaide, there's a bronze statue of Sturt. It was unveiled in 1916, and Sturt is depicted in his working gear, wearing a broad brim hat and peering off into the distance. There you go, Charles well, Sturt. There you go. And if it has been up the Sturt Highway, you, now, you know where that came from. And there's a few names in there, isn't there? There's, uh, you know, the, the Darling was the governor at the time, and um, there's, there's heaps of others that I cut out of the story because it'd go on for hours. Mm. There's so many names that uh, that we recognise from places and things that, um, that these are all people that, that lived in that time. And there is Rico's rediscovered segment. That is a good one, mate. And, um, and this is the sort of stuff. This is the sort of stuff you're teaching with your homeschooling as well. No, mate, it'd go right over their heads. I, I think I'd have their attention for about 30 seconds. Well, what are you doing for the homeschooling? Uh, basically answering their questions when they come to me, and it's normally, what would you do if I wasn't here? Yeah. People would ask them, why don't you ask the teacher? Yeah. Is this going to be a long story? So you know, that sort of response. So you're not, doing, stuff. you're not doing, you know, Pythagoras or algebra or anything like that? Uh, not this week, mate. No, no. This afternoon we're going to do some uh, some chemistry. We're going to do you know teach them how to mix cocktails. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that'll be good. Yeah, Thirty mil of bourbon. Oh, yeah. Mate, you just imagine. I mean, fanny. Come on, I mean. Now, we'll do fractions for that one, mate. Yeah, oh. quarter of a cup. Yeah. Yep, I, could just, I could just imagine. I mean, fair dinkum. I mean, this would be bordering on ludicrous. I mean, so yeah. are you doing like you're doing like you know comp comprehension and all that stuff in English? Uh, not not personally, no. No, fair enough. No. We 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 have had uh, we have had a bit of fun though. We've had a fire drill. Yeah. Uh, we we tried to do roll call a few times. I don't like that. I, I went down in my suit jacket and a tie yesterday with the the blue singlet underneath. Um, I still got no respect. So. Uh, it's a struggle, uh, mate. The struggle is real. Mm, no, exactly right, mate. And there's plenty of parents just like you 
at home right now trying to do, uh, become the school teacher. And, uh, you know what? Give everybody an appreciation of what teachers do. Mate, I don't care what they're paid. It isn't enough. Yeah. I mean, like you've got two there. I mean, they've got you know, classrooms with up 30 or more. Yeah, I don't know why you do that to yourself on purpose. I really don't. Mm, I'm tipping they, yeah. Do you reckon they drink at night? I probably do, eh? <laughs> I don't know too many school teachers. Mate, I, I'm drinking at day, so I imagine they drink at night. Yeah, well, I mean, and, and do any of the teachers that I had when I was at school, if you're still alive, I'm tipping some would be, some would no longer be with us, but geez, oh, I've got to say that I reckon I would have been a handful. Uh, when yeah, I was at there school. definitely would have been a. A sneaky flask in the top drawer of all of your teachers, uh, uh, Rams, I reckon. I reckon. I mean, a couple of mates who I won't name as well, uh, well we gave them plenty, I've got to say. I was, I was never a fan of school, really. I'm not sure what you thought of it. I mean, I thought the best day of school was the actual last day I was there. Yeah, I mean, I didn't mind it, to be honest. Um, I went through to year 12, and, and those last couple of years were just fantastic because you actually got, got treated like a, a young adult and, you know, got got to make your own decisions, and and the teachers treated you with a little bit more respect, and and I still talk to some of my teachers from way back then. So, yeah, no, well, I um, I I but well, I became a young adult very quickly because I left at sixteen and went and got a job, and uh, yep. and uh, let me tell you now, from that moment on, you were no longer a kid anymore. It was like, oh man, what about all the people that swear out here? <laughs> but um, you know, yeah, it was in, it was incredible, mate. Really, and um. Yeah, no, but yeah, I was never a fan of it. I've got to say. I mean, the the four years I did in year seven didn't help either. By the way. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, fair dinkum. Anyway, so yeah. so for most people who are sitting at home and obviously be listening to this podcast, if you can put up with it, and um, we thank you for doing that. I'm tipping that most people that listen to the sort of stuff we do are into what we do, and um, I reckon uh, they'd be planning on getting away. I mean, out. I mean, what do you reckon? The, the, what do you reckon the traffic will be like heading out of the big cities with camper trailers, swags, tents, caravans in tow? What do you reckon the traffic will be like? People just will not be able to hold themselves back. No. If, if and you we're know what? lucky... I don't, I don't think anyone will care. If we're lucky, if we are lucky, and I'm saying definitely if we are very lucky, we, let's hope for an October long weekend maybe. Yeah, wouldn't that be great? You know, I mean, we don't know, but geez, would be geez, that would be something to um to strive for, wouldn't it, to get to that October long weekend? But oh, I that'd mean, be magnificent. Good, good luck, I'm getting, good luck getting a spot. Yeah, good luck getting a spot. <laughs> I mean, fair yeah, book now. Yeah. I mean, fair. He can, well, you can't book now because everybody's closed and no one answered the phone. I mean, it's just yeah, you know, true. It's unbelievable. But um, it'll be uh, it's amazing how much we've taken for granted, isn't it? You just you just don't realise. No, one hundred percent, mate, and that's ex- that, that is very, very true. A lot of things that, um, a lot of things that we've taken for granted. I think too. I, I mean, some of the things that have now in place are, are, weren't decisions. They were decisions forced uh, upon us because of other people's behaviour. Um, I mean, yep. like, you know, you saw all those people at Bondi Beach that time. You know, people just flocking into the shops, buying every roll of toilet paper and pasta and spaghetti and. And mints that they could, yeah. and, you know. I mean, so now there's limits on what you can buy in the shops, and I mean, these were things that were forced upon us by imbeciles. That just, I mean, absolutely. Could you imagine there'd be there'd have to be house households with a back shed just chock a block to the ceiling of toilet paper at the moment? Yep. <laughs> I mean, no, you're right. Imbeciles is the word. You're dead right. I How mean, do you reckon you react 
if if you're in a shopping center and and you saw someone spitting on the fruit, which is seems to be a thing now. Yeah, right. Well, mate, no, no. Well, mate, I mean, we made that. I mean, obviously, well, mate, you can't make excuses for pigs. I mean, if you're doing no. that, I mean, seriously. I know, I know how I'd react, and it'd be very badly. But um, oh, look, I just think in general. I mean, I've seen, I've witnessed in the shops. You know, I mean, it was wasn't that long ago where we um. We're all banding together and we're all donating money and time to the bushfire relief and then a few months later we're all pushing each other out of the way to buy toilet paper. I mean, what, what's, what's wrong yeah. with people? I mean, it's just... But I, I have witnessed firsthand of of, um, of of rudeness in the shops, like just, you know, yeah, people same. not waiting their turn. and, 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 and the uh, i got to say, they weren't locals either, just quietly. I'm not going to go right into it, but they weren't locals here. Uh, and I'm I, hearing And, and then yep. I've seen... Um, you know, I, I saw you know a lady in the supermarket get abused because you know. I mean, for God's sake, you know, wake up to yourselves. I think it's quite an element yeah. now, though. I was I was actually down in the shops this morning and went down there just to make sure I got every roll of toilet paper uh, that was available. And uh, <laughs> anyway, I haven't, done, I haven't done any of that. I've just basically put my body into camping mode where yeah. you don't poo as often. Right, no, fair enough. But anyway, no, I'm I'm game joking. But I was down the. Shops this morning, and I go to the same sort of shop all the time. I was talking to with people there that I know they work there and live out here, and they were saying it's starting to slow down now. Where it's, yeah, uh, good. You know, well, I think people have worked out. Oh, hang on, maybe we didn't need to do that. It's just the it's just the the, um, the goods that were purchased that were sent overseas. I have a real problem with as well. I mean, that's just absolutely yeah, no real problem with I mean, that. that too. Unpatriotic, for God's sake, you know. Put, here's a tip: uh, they- strap yourself to the container and send yourself there as well, <laughs> because deport them. We, we no questions are. We don't want Deport you here. Yeah, we don't want you here. So, but uh, certainly, um, it does appear to be slowing down. And one thing, a particular store where I was, they're waiting. They've they've already put in a non-refund policy because they yeah, they, they do believe that people will come back and say we need a refund on this, and they and yep. they'll be so well sorry, uh, you bought it. Um, at your bad luck sport, yeah, and uh, yep. and they've seen that in particular out here. Where what happens where I, you know, where I live, and we live on the uh, the western side of the Hawkesbury. So when that recent flood happened, and the br- bridges went under, it was, and to be honest, it wasn't a big flood. It was just at the fact that the bridges had gone under. Yeah, but everyone over this side of the river started panic buying. I mean, it was like we're never going to see oh, civilization no. again. Well, what happened was a few of those people went back to the store. You know, four or five days later, when the you know the Water had subsided. The water received. Trying yep. to get, trying to get, trying to get um, refunds, and they were told, "Sorry, <laughs> you bought yeah. it all, and you, he's yours. Keep it at home anyway." And that's what they—they're already onto it. They're already, you know, some of the big supermarkets out here are already saying there'll be no refund policy for. You know, you can imagine people backing the truck up with the trailer on to take all their toilet paper back. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you've seen, would you? You wouldn't want to be seen doing it. Oh, mate, it's incredible. But anyway, it is. It does seem to be slowing down, which is a good thing. But mate, some yeah, of the mate, places. I what I'm looking forward to. What I'm looking forward to is just seeing how pristine these campgrounds are when we finally get back out there after a few months of no traffic. Mm. Mm. That is going to be a sight to behold, I think. Yeah, no, it'll be good to see people just out there. It, 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 the thing is, we've got to, you know, we've got to get the message across. This is not forever. Um, I've had people email me and message me saying, you know, shit, duck, what do you think? How long will this be? Do you think it'll ever get back to normal? The answer to that is yes, it will. And uh, it, will it, get, will. it will get back to normal. And I mean, I, 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 in one blog I replied to him, mate, could you imagine 
um, if if a pub never opened again, you know, I mean, it's just not going to happen. Oh. And I, I've had a lot of people, I've had a lot of a lot of emails uh, about it, and it was like, oh, do you think this? You know, people think, oh, the, you know, now they've closed campgrounds in in the bush, they might not reopen, but they will reopen. You know? oh, of course, they will. You know? And um, the thing that worries me is that there'll be a lot of little businesses that won't reopen, like some of the country pubs and even some of the smaller caravan parks that are owned by mum and yep. dad. You know that they'll you know they'll struggle. Um, but but absolutely, the banks and the government are all are all you know chipping in here to help those people. So they're pulling out all the aren't they? You know, like you say, it is unprecedented. Mm. It's bloody good to see. Uh, that's that's the real part of the Australian spirit shining through, and it's coming from the top, which is just uh, refreshing. I think. Mm, yeah. So all those places will be reopened, and uh, this is not forever. It's just a matter of we stop. Yeah. We'll stop this bloody virus, and then and once we do that, we'll contain it, and then we're on again. And I think, right. I think, Use the opportunity, maintain your gear, clean it, make some plans. Mm. You know, jump on a Skype call with your mates and decide where you're going to go. All yeah. that sort of stuff. This is an opportunity. Where, That's the way you got to look at it. Where are you going to go? First trip, mate. First trip, um, it'll probably be a tag along tour, um, and I've got any number of of them to choose from. It'll it'll depend on what time of the year it is, but I think the one where we end up at James's place will be the first one off the rank, mate. So. Up through the the coughs and, and northern part of Australia, there, or New South Wales, I should say, um, up into uh, Gordon Country, the the four wheel drive park there, and enjoy that, and then get down to James's place with some lamb shanks and a good time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think Vic Woodman and I are talking about once we're all allowed to go out again, we're just going to find a campground, and we're just going to go there and just say to everyone, "We're going to this campground. Let's go and celebrate. We're back." And whoever, yeah, well, look, maybe whoever, whoever wants to come can come. It'll just be a, a free-for-all. So um, we're, th- we're talking about doing something like that and just out here somewhere yep. or whatever, just to go, look, we're finally letting it. <laughs> we'll have to go there like a week earlier <laughs> because I don't, reckon, <laughs> I don't reckon you'll get a spot. And it won't be because people that want to come out with us. It'll be people that just want to get out. And um, you can imagine the home burglars. I've said this before, wandering the neighbourhoods <laughs> at will, breaking into homes because there'll be nobody home. No, they'll be counting the days, wouldn't they? Yeah, no, 100%, mate. But anyway, no, all good. All right, but we certainly do look forward to doing that um, and getting back out there. It won't be too long. And as Rico said, um, we can uh, certainly uh, work on our gear and sort our stuff out while we're not moving, while we're grounded. Keep your batteries charged. Keep your batteries yep. charged in the um, in your you know your boats and your jet and your camper trailers and things like that in your caravans, just keep them charged because you don't want to be buying batteries after this. And, um, and your truck. Yeah, absolutely. No, no, they're not trucks. I've had people sing. <laughs> That's another thing too. <laughs> and to those people, Peter Gordry up in Mackay, he thinks they're a complete imbecile. In fact, he sent yep. me, he's sent, sending me photos of his truck and his mate's trucks. I should pass those on to you. You should, you should. Anyway, to all the boys up in oh, Mackay too. I've got a few of those too. Anyway, message for the boys up in Mackay. I was looking forward to popping up there later in the year for those uh, those four-wheel driving caravan expos. We won't be there now, but I was looking forward to that. I was even looking forward to having a few beers with uh, my mate Jason from AAA Fabrication up there. And um, Yep. Well, I'm going to look up there to Gordry when I get up there. I'm going to find this bloke. Reckons I'm an imbecile. Well, mate, he does, because he reckons you're driving a car, and he's right, 100% right. No, it's not a car. Oh, I forgot. On that note, we'll go. We'll leave the. We'll leave. Um, you know. You'll say, what do you do? Play with matchbox cars as well? Or uh, not anymore? Uh, fair enough. All right. Well, on, 
on that note, we'll leave the car driving Rico right where he is. Rico, we'll do this again next week. A bit of apologies to everyone too. The uh, audio is not the best this week, but it's the best we can come up with because everyone is isolating themselves and, and all that. But Rico, all good. We'll try and knock out another one next week. We're not going anywhere, so it shouldn't be too hard. No, that's all right. I'm going to go to the kitchen and dream of a can of lunch. Yeah, there you go, mate. Why not? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. There'll be plenty of people out there now just tonguing for that draft beer. And, um, and just right. going to the pub and washing down the day is just all on hold at the moment. So uh, certainly look forward to... Uh, I've got to admit, the minute you start thinking about schooners and that social aspect at the pub, you just think, oh, hurry up. Let's get back open again. Anyway, it's good to see, yeah. just before we do go, it's good to see some of the pubs out there Changing their business models. You yeah, know, your, your local have uh, done a great job of that, haven't they? Yeah, they have, yeah, mate. Yeah, they have. They've done a, great, a top job at that. I mean, they've reopened the old drive through Bottolo and they've basically turned that into a bit of a convenience store as well as um, a, a grog shop and, uh, and well done to them. And they did that for two reasons. One was to at least stay operational in some form and the other was to try and hold on to staff. So you've got to give yeah. hats off to them for that. So uh, be, yeah, we'll um, support these as best we can where we can. Yeah, it's hard to do when you're not allowed to go anywhere, mate. But anyway, yeah, I'll right. be doing driveway drinks this afternoon, mate. Sorry, driveway drinks this afternoon is what I'll be doing. Driveway drinks. Parking, uh, parking yeah. myself at the top of the driveway. My neighbours do the same, and uh, we have a yak that way. Okay, well, depending Anything on well, well, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, we are actually launching a new podcast tonight called The Duck Shed, and um, I've got to tell you that uh, keep an eye out for that. My first guest on that uh, podcast, and it's basically the podcast is just going to be about what gets normally spoken about in my shed at the bar when there's people around. It'll just be I'll ring, we'll just get people on the phone. It'll be some people that you know, some people you'd never heard of. That might be just mates. But it'll just be something, basically just be talking shit over a few beers and we'll podcast it. Here's my tip. Here's my tip. Put the kids to bed before you listen to this one, boys and girls. Yes, well, I will say that debuting, the debut of the Duck Shed podcast, my special guest will join me on the phone from Western Australia, the one and only Kevin Bloody Wilson. So certainly look forward to that. And if you did miss it, you'll be able to find that podcast at the usual places. And, uh, yeah, it will certainly be... Um, a little bit different to what we normally do, but it should be a bit of fun anyway, so look out for that. Yeah, and you've got a few more episodes that are coming as well, mate. Keep them coming. I think this is the time to, to get the content out there and, and keep people sane. So really looking forward to seeing these other podcasts yeah, got, that you're going to be doing. Yeah, we've got a couple on the way, so we'll certainly do that. And uh, and some different ones too, some around country music, some around travelling Australia as well, um, which is what we do, but... Uh, more importantly, yeah, they're, they're, I'm they're, really all design, they're all designed. Yeah, well, they're all designed to give you a break. So I'm looking forward to the one that, that's on your passion, the macrame one. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and uh, exactly. Yeah, uh, the, how to make know. doilies and stuff. I don't even know what macrame is, but Rico, I'll talk to you next week, mate. <laughs> Good on you, mate. Good on you, mate. And there he is. That's Rico, and we are usually together when we do these podcasts. And uh, like I say, um, because of us, everybody self isolating at home. The only way for us to do it was to do it uh, on the phone this week. Uh, so we do apologise for the um, the quality of the audio, but it's the best we could muster this week. To everyone out there, we thank you for tuning in uh, to the uh, podcast. We usually say if you see us out there somewhere, say good day. Um, but you'll see us out there again at some point, so maybe then come and say good day. But wherever you are, stay safe and, like we say, for the now, just stay home. It's not forever. See you next week. <laughs>